Good evening, dear listener. Uh, welcome to the extravaganza that is Weekend at Crombies, Volume 5, Episode 3. Today, we will be discussing the film Somewhere in Time. Welcome, dear listener. Episode three of volume five of Weekend at Crombies. Um, my name is Dr. James Evans, Esquire. He hasn't eaten for a week. And I am Hugh, and I just won't discuss it any further. <laughs> Very good. Um, maybe unlike other films, um, the, the quotes from Somewhere in Time make no reference to the <laughs> film itself which you wouldn't know what film it was from those quotes would you um but there we go uh, yeah so somewhere in time um what is this episode oh i can't work it out now episode 51 51, 51. oh well yeah i know look at that would you um crikey o'reilly who, who knew who knew we begin <laughs> yeah let's begin um that's about 100 hours isn't it oh grief is it we need it's to about, it's, it's about 110 if you include Too Late the Hero. I suppose it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, for well, for long-time to... listeners, you will remember our season one epic oh, Too Late the God. Hero. Yeah. I think it was about two hours and 35 minutes. That was... You could have watched the film twice in the time <laughs> it took to listen to the podcast about the film. But look, you know, what we, we, we're going to have to stop doing this. And I don't mean stop doing the podcast, but we're going to have to start every time the podcast starts talking about... How ridiculous the podcast is. <clears throat> so, yeah, right. <laughs> so we just got to stop doing it. Because, um, you know, it, it's quite... All one of us has to do is say, I, I'm not sure we should do this anymore. <laughs> it's <laughs> a knife don't. edge, isn't it? It's a knife yeah, edge. It's, it's, a, it's a complete knife edge. I, do, I, do, I did note, though, that um, uh, the Simon uh, Mayo and Mark Camocho is finishing on the 1st of April. So there is a niche. There's a hole in the market. There is, there's a hole in the market, yeah. Are there you, yeah, well, there we are, yeah. So, anyway, um, would you say you're time? more of a commode or more of a mayo? God, I don't know. Clearly, I mean... a commode. <laughs> I'm the man of the people, yeah. Well, as, okay. as, as, what, what people are you a man of? <laughs> I'm not, not good people, <laughs> I'm a man of some people. You're a, you're a man of some people. Yeah. I'm a man of some people, and you bring the intellectual heft that's required for this. For this I stuff, don't know so, yeah. about that. I think I think you're. Anyway, look. <laughs> it, this isn't. No, it's not our audition for the Mayo and Kimocha. That comes later. Yeah. I mean, God, thank goodness it's not. Um, Somewhere in Time was Hugh's choice. Indeed. For episode 51. Hugh, take it away. Let's leap into it. And in, in, our, in our, a new style we're trying, we're trying to get through the synopsis as quick as we can so we can get our teeth into the film. So Indeed. Uh, it is 1972 and we've just wrapped on a college theatre production, which contrary to all of the college theatre productions, apparently has gone very well and people like, which <laughs> my, my experience of college theatre is completely aberrant. It's going to go on Broadway and everything. <laughs> what is the common denominator in your experiences of the college plays? That is true. I've been part of all of them. Aha! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Richard Collier, who is I think, the other uh, writer and possibly director of this, this show, um, is being fated and uh, he's uh, the top going on Broadway. He's played by um, Christopher Reeve. Um, Post-Superman, but pre-Superman 2. 
Well, is he? He's uh, and again, being sort of he's, he's uh, despite the, the funny college haircut they've given him, you know, he is a giant amongst men. Um, and yes. and these um, everyone's throwing themselves at him, including I've got to throw this in uh, a young actor called W. H. Macy. Oh, really? Yes, it was William H. Macy's first first um, uh, casting role. Well, I'll throw another one at you. Go on. In that same scene, a young actor called George Went. Um, Whoa! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> from Cheers fame. See, I didn't recognise William H. Macy in it, but I heard his voice in the cast over, and it sounds exactly like William H. Macy. It's something along the lines of, I didn't understand the plot, and thought that that's the line you'd give to William H. Macy. It's awesome. But Very good. Nonetheless, um, young Rich Collier is, is everyone's having a good time, when all of a sudden, a, a very old lady who's been watching the play in, from a, the, the shadows comes up, presses into his hand an antique pocket watch, and just says, come back to me. And then she goes, and, and Rich Collier... She goes, she, she goes home, goes to a hotel, um, walks past her maid, goes into the room, and she dies that night listening to Rachmaninoff. Yeah. Um, Richard has never seen it before. He's utterly dumbfounded by this and clearly struck, but um, didn't make that much of a lasting impression because eight years later, he's gotten on with his life. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we, we jump cut to him eight years later. He's written many plays. He's got a oh, nice yes. apartment. He's, uh, he's doing okay, but he is somewhat dissatisfied because he can't write this next play. He's stuck. He's got writer's block, hasn't he? And he's just split up with um, his partner. Um, who we've never met <coughs> no. hear of in any other way, but we know that because he's looking a bit, looking a bit sad, isn't he? He tells his agent whatever he's, he's broken up, um, and yeah. to kind of clear his head, he drives off to um, the the local um, hotel, which is near his 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 old college, um, which is this. Well, very... he doesn't know that he's going there though, does he? He just says, "I'm I'm going to go anywhere. I'm just going to drive," and he, he drives past and goes, "Yeah, all right, I'm going to yeah. stay there." Yeah, the Grand Hotel. The Grand Hotel is is a very kind of um yeah post uh, at turn of the 20th century kind of hotel yeah. and um yeah very big dining halls and nice architecture all this kind of stuff and then it, re it reminded me a little bit of the overlook <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, uh but it's got even got an elderly porter who's uh what's his name is arthur um, arthur how could you forget his name they only mention it about 1500 times in the film <laughs> <laughs> not now arthur yeah. uh, <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so uh, so elderly Arthur was telling him, oh, yeah, I've, I've been in this hotel since I was a boy and this kind of stuff. And he gives him his nice room. And um, so uh, yeah, Collier, just, just as he's leaving, yeah, well, the just as he's leaving, he says, have we met before? We said, see you around, Arthur. And he said that most Arthur stops saying, have we met? Have we met before? And he said, no, no. Um, so as he mooches around the hotel, waiting for the dining room to open, he goes into the Hall of Memories or, or the historical room. It's, it's, it's a very... Hall of Memories. <laughs> it's something like that, isn't it? It's, it's a big old room. It's a, it's a miniature museum of the hotel with yeah. glass cabinets with all the knickknacks of the, the years because the, the hotel is very, very old. It's about 100 years old. So in America, that's ancient. Um, and it's... it's <laughs> well... I think the Native Americans might have something to say about that, but no. In, in terms, in terms of modern American stuff, it's very old yeah, um, yeah. for them stuff, you know. Because here, a hundred years old, like there's houses in your street older than that. Like you yeah, can have exactly. a hall of memories for number twenty-three. Uh, <laughs> in America, you may, you put a bit of an effort in. Um, so in this hall of memories, among these knickknacks, and um, right at the very back, you know, basked by a, a beam of sunlight, is a picture of a beautiful young actress. Um, or Elise McKenna. Elise McKenna doesn't know this yet. He finds that, but yeah, he and he is absolutely captivated. He walks towards her ever so slowly. His his eyes never leaving the picture. Rachmaninoff um, Rachmaninoff playing in the background. Yeah, I should point out that if you're a fan of uh, Rhapsody on the theme of Paganini by Rachmaninoff, yeah. it's Christmas because this <laughs> this film plays it several billion times. 
<laughs> it's just that it's just that recurring motif, isn't it? It really it's just is one just bit that of it. Recurring motif. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Either they couldn't afford. I just cleared out of my head. Um, it's, it's it's Richard Collier's favorite piece of music ever, and it does keep recurring everywhere. Um, so it, it's diegetic. It's non-diegetic. It's 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 everywhere. Um, so he sees his picture. He finds out from Arthur who this Elise McKenna, this famous actress who was once stayed at this hotel, um, and he kind of shakes it up from his mind. But he's still troubled. So on the day he's due to leave, he just changes his mind, um, <laughs> thrusts this enormous suitcase into Arthur, who's about ninety, and he's into his arms. Says, "Arthur, put this back in my suitcase. I'm off to the library." Um, yeah. I guess in the in nineteen eighty is what you do when you don't have the internet. He kind of races up to the library. But he's smitten with her, though, isn't he? It's really odd. It's just yeah. a photo of an old, old person, uh, an old photograph. Yeah, it's a young person in an old photograph. Yeah. Although he yeah, then, when he does his research, he uh, he he's, he's smitten. Well, he, this is this is the thing. I mean, uh, we will give any spoilers to think that this this old lady um, who gave him the pocket watch was indeed Elise McKenna, um, because he finds this out in his during his research. He he learns all about her life, and then he goes to the last photo of her. Um, she was a successful actress, though lived as a recluse for many years, um, and. He, the last picture is the picture of the lady who gave him the pocket watch. Um, so you could imply that, you know, maybe, you know, he connected with the soul of the woman, you know, though yeah. she was many years older, something about him, you know, a mistake to his heart or whatever. So there's that. So now he knows about it. He then tracks down the biographer of, of the author of this book who wrote about her, finds out more about um, Elise McKenna, that she she was very, very alive and happy and vivacious until something, something happened in the Grand happened. Hotel in 1812. Yeah. And she then lived a sad and reclusive life. But she was still a very famous and, and good, a great actress. Um, and they find knickknacks in her in this this room of her things that her biographer had kept, one of which was um, a, a philosophy book um, written by uh, Richard Collier's old philosophy student from college. It was about a time unbound. Time unbound, yes. Um, apparently <laughs> she made great study of this book. And also in this book was a, a miniature replica of the Grand Hotel uh, that when you lift the lid, it's a music box and you'll never guess what's playing in the music box. Is it is it the um, Wu-Tang Clan's... Uh, Ain't ain't nothing to f with. It is indeed that. Yes, that was, that was Elisa McKenna's favourite song. But after that, no, it's rhapsody on a theme of Paganini yeah. by Rachmaninoff. Um, so he is completely blown away by this, and he's he's trying to put the pieces together. Um, and in fact, he then decides that his his next step has to be to go back in time and meet this Elise McKenna. So well, first, he goes to see his philosophy teacher, doesn't he? Who explains? Yeah, he's, he's time travel possible, and he says yeah. if you basically go into a trance and hypnotize yourself, you can convince yourself you are in a different time, and that will become real. Which is actually no, then, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? I mean, the answer then is no, and he gives an example of when he did it, and it's yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> he said he, it happened to him in a flicker. He had to, well, you have to remove all evidence of modern yeah. life just to give it to try and if your brain sees, you know, like a television or a radio, it will know you're in you're in, in the future or in the present. So you must make, you know, you must, you must repeat over and over again and go into a mantra in a trance and will yourself in the past. And I was thinking, basically, in terms of time travel, given that time travel is impossible anyway, it's well, no different not? from a flex capacitor or a magical wardrobe or anything. It's like, okay, can, yeah, it's like, why not? I completely agree. It, it, it it is no less absurd or no more absurd than flying a DeLorean. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, as, it as long might, as, the, it as, might long as well yeah. be that. 
as long as the film believes it, as, I, as yeah, long exactly. as the film gives it credence, and it certainly does, because he um, yeah. he then he then buys or he buys a nineteen twelve eighteen twelve nineteen twelve suit with 1912 money in the pockets, and he hides his like his television and everything, his hotel room packed away. He doesn't away hide his recording. He's recording instrument, though. No, he's a tape recorder. He, he, he records himself hypnotizing, saying, "You are. It is eighteen twelve. You are at 1912. the Grand Hotel. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going back to this. Nineteen twelve. You're in the the Grand Hotel. You're about to meet Liz McKenna. She's here, and this kind of stuff. La la la. He again and again and again mantras this on a tape recorder, and it doesn't work. Um, and then he does something. Then he this was that was midnight. He races off to Arthur's cottage, wakes up Arthur. <laughs> Yeah. Like Arthur probably dodders to the to the <laughs> to the door. Uh, back to a heart attack, probably. Goes, Arthur, you must help me. Um, where's the, where's the, where's the stuff that's kept in the hall of memories or whatever? And he goes, it's in the attic. Um, so he runs to the attic and looks all the stuff that didn't make it into the hall of memories because in the hall he saw there was a guest book. So he wants to find the other guest books. The one so from 1912. One from 1912. And lo and behold, he finds. Um, his own name in the guest book at 19, in, in 1912 at a certain time a certain place so he knows he did it and was yeah, that knowledge that's the, that's the convict that's the um that's the conviction he needed yeah so that now can now with that he, he remembers to hide the tape recorder under the bed so he's not going to see it and but he you does. know what you know, that's a cop-out though isn't it <laughs> well the fact that he he sees himself in the guest book, which gives him the evidence he needs to time travel back to that. That's a cop out. No, it isn't. I'm going to come back to that analysis. I think, <laughs> okay. that's, I, I think that's one of the most interesting things about the movie. Um, well, there's another there's another thing um, that I find incredible. Okay. But yeah, it, it, we'll come to it in the analysis. Yeah. We'll come so, to it in the analysis. Yeah. so having having now proved he did it, he does it. He, um, he goes, he travels back in time and he wakes up in 1912 in a lady's boudoir. So it then disappears into quite broad comedy as he finds his way around this strange world. So he, first he used to hide behind the sofa while this half naked woman has an argument with her husband and yeah. he, he kind of sneaks out the door. Um, so it's very like um, Avengers of a Window Cleaner. Um, <laughs> Then, then he kind of knocks on every door, basically asking for Elise McKenna, and he gets shouted at by by the, the actors in the in the play. He gets he's he meets, quite obsessed, isn't he? Yeah, he he meets a kind of a, a large French woman that makes a pass at him, and like he's like he's, he's, he's very Roger Rabbit. Like he opens the door saying, "Elise McKenna, oh ma chérie, mou, mou, mou. it's like what is this?" But eventually, he does finally meet Elise McKenna, played by Jane Seymour, um, who was is who tw- was twenty one. No, she couldn't have been. Not in 1980. She was 29. Yeah, because she was was about a decade after um, Live and Let Die. That's not that extraordinary, is it? (laughs) She was 29. She was 29. I'm I'm happy to believe Jane Seymour was at some point 29 in her life. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Given that she's now 71. Yeah. (laughs) You have to do better than that to drop some bombshells. Extraordinary. (laughs) Uh, How old was Christopher Reeve? How old was he when he made yes, this? Yeah. He was 30. 30, there we go. Yeah. Um, so there they meet, and she is, and Lisa McKenna is also struck. She stares at him and just goes, is it you? Yeah, um, is it you? Which, is, which, well, it is, isn't it? That's <laughs> <laughs> what he says. He says, yes, it is. Um, and they, 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 they just stare at each other. Well, I assume Rackham and Manoff is playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> um, before they're interrupted by uh, Williamson, who is um, played by Christopher Plummer. He's Elise's um, theatrical agent. Um, and Imagine he is, a theatrical agent. Imagine how that theatrical agent looks and sounds 
That's how he looks and sounds. <laughs> I mean, he is full Christopher Plummer. He's got yeah. a little white goatee. He's in, he's in white coat and black coat and tails. Um, and he's just like, you know, I will thrash you, sir. He does <laughs> play a good villain, though. Didn't he? Oh, he's good. So he's, he is the impediment to their love. He basically chases off um, uh, Chris, uh, Richard Collier saying, you know, bugger off, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah which, which, in fairness. And then, also, and then he, he perambulates with Elise back to the hotel um, while Richard Collier just kind of follows, yeah. you know, it, behind them in to a be honest like, i'm with christopher Plummer here this is it like if, if the guy like, the guy is this is like stalking yeah yeah if, <laughs> if, there, there's a we'll come back to this, there's a lot of scenes in this where if it was played by anyone who wasn't christopher reeve yeah it would yeah, be very yeah. creepy it's that it thing of like you know, if steve buscemi was this it'd be like <laughs> <laughs> it would take on a very different tone um so, so he, because Christopher, as far as Williamson is seeing her agent, and um, William Fawcett Robinson, sorry, um, is, uh, is you know, a, a random man has gone after your beautiful actress uh, and is just going, oh, you're nice. Yeah. It's like, yeah. shoo, go away. Yeah. Um, and yeah, won't leave her alone. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so it goes. Uh, I think he, uh, she, um, he does pursue her continually, just saying, you know, he, I think he knocks on his door next and kind of tries to chatter up, uh, you know, will you, he said, "We have breakfast. It's six in the morning. I said, we have breakfast later. I don't eat breakfast on uh, on show days. Will you have lunch with me? Oh, all right then." Um, yeah. <laughs> and all close, like, I'll go crazy. for a walk with you. Yeah. So, so they they go for a walk, and they go for a walk in what can only be described as an impressionist painting, um, oh, yeah. because it is absolutely beautiful they, they, you know, they walk along the lake and they row on the boats and they stand by this this you know this wonderful old mill or and they um and they do all this stuff and it looks like it's <laughs> it's, it's filmed in a way it's almost like it's it's like sepia tinted isn't it and it's um so it's a bit it's i mean there's a shimmer to the yeah. screen isn't there uh, yeah i mean it, 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 sepia it is warm and sepia is how the yeah. whole thing looks i will yeah. say in terms of art history um i was watching this with my good lady who studied art history and said oh, oh, yeah. it, it's it's remnant of pizarro and the best i could do was it's like a vetriano painting isn't it <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> because that is the the bargain basement knowledge of that mind you the whole thing is a bit trite you know it is like you know like, what what does a good painting look like? let's make the show look like that um but <laughs> it's the beauty and the beast isn't it <laughs> Uh, but nonetheless, so they have again what is you know, exactly a beautiful afternoon on the lake, um, and the, uh, they 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 talk and they they get to know each other more, and they they get on very well. Um, and then we'll, we'll come back to again this this moment they have afterwards when he escorts her back to a hotel because uh, once again imagine this is played by you know not big strong handsome Christopher Reeve but you know someone <laughs> entirely less like George Vent perhaps <laughs> uh, because Benny he. Hill. He's at the door and she goes, I've got to go now. Can, can I yeah. come in just a little bit longer? So she yeah, it's in. so weird. And then I like, don't want to leave you. Yeah, and then, then like he backs up against the wall and mm. she says, and this is very clear, she says, no. No, yeah, <laughs> she says no, doesn't she? Yeah, he, puts he his, then proceeds to kiss her. He puts, he puts his enormous hands on her face because he's, yeah. he's a big, James was quite svelte and he's enormous. Um, he, and then is, yeah. they, and then the Rachmaninoff plays and they sink into a, a, you know, a passionate kiss. So, yeah, um, Let's, let's yeah, it's a bit odd. I mean, you say if it's played by any other person, but even even it being played by Christopher Reeve, yeah. it's a bit it, well, it's quite creepy because he's, he's quite he's, disturbing because he's, he's big and he's locked and onto her as well. Yeah, yeah. Enough, actually, if they, they dance later um, at one of the dinners, and one of the things he says when he cuts in and dances with is, um, "You mustn't be afraid of me." And I'm thinking, that's the kind that's of thing the kind of thing a serial killer says. That's exactly yeah. what I said. <laughs> mustn't be afraid of me is not yeah. what someone who's safe says. No, no. 
but no. none, nonetheless, it worked out for them because they they kissed and they're now passionately in love because um he's in the the audience of her play. This is the play they're doing in the thing, and it looks like a fairly you know kind of Oscar Wilde comedy of yeah. manners yeah. until she breaks character and declaims to the audience that she is in love for the very first time, and it's never been like that. And she's so happy and so wonderful and la 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 and staring directly at Richard Collier. Um, and then she goes back. Is, I mean. I mean, fair play to Richard Collier. I don't know how he. I don't know how he's managed this, because <laughs> <laughs> all the evidence would suggest that she should run a mile. Yeah, but uh, no, he's he's charmed her right away. So um, so fair play to him. Uh, the rest of the cast kind of you know patch up the script as best they can. <laughs> but then he sent a message saying, "I must see you urgently. It's a matter of life and death." And it's William Robinson, um, Christopher Plummer, who basically starts off well, saying, you know how dare you think I'm just grooming her to be my wife. She's going to be a star. I don't care about marrying him. I want her to be a star. I think, oh, he's nice. Um, and then mm. <laughs> just like, then he goes, but, she, you know, but, um, but she'll never be with you and I'll destroy you first. And think, oh no, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets <laughs> because, beaten up, doesn't he? Not just beaten up. He employs yeah. what could only be some 1912 Tafts because one of them is wearing a stripy shirt. It's like, like yeah. it's a just complete guy who beat Popeye up. It's like, <laughs> it's like a, like a longshoreman. It's like, yeah. right, let's And in fact, yeah, a lot of the, again, the style you say is an impressionist painting. All the clothes are so, you know, dot on. They're um, perfect, aren't they? They are. And it's, I, would it's, I would love to be wearing one of those suits, I've got to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, Richard Collier's suit, although he's wearing it all the time in the film, yeah. which, again, is another uh, another kind of marker that would make me go, oh, hang on, you haven't changed in a day. <laughs> and, and he said, because he sleep, one, overnight he slept in the... Um, kind of on the balcony didn't he and he looks yeah the security in this hotel is, is not much yeah. he, he gets to wander around um which so he meets young arthur young arthur playing with his enormous red rubber ball um yeah. and every time young arthur is on screen his father says arthur just to remind you that this is arthur oh yeah not per- now arthur the, yeah not now arthur arthur i've told you before come on arthur like we know who it is <laughs> know. we know it's the old person we know yeah. who it is he even gives <laughs> him yeah. the ball and says see you around arthur yeah, wink, wink. Yeah, that's um, brand. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, if if I'd met someone when I was three and they said something <laughs> very nondescript to me on my name, I I would remember that ninety years later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like somebody said hello to you, it's like hello. Somebody <laughs> said hello to me, and I, I remember that hello. It's like Arthur is wasted as a porter. He has got a razor sharp memory. <laughs> he does. Yeah, eighty-seven years later. Yeah. See you around, Arthur. Yes, named it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, I want to own Richard Collier's suit. <laughs> Which <laughs> she said, she said, I was laughing because it's like 10 years out of date. But I'm thinking, this is the interesting thing. It's like, people don't wear, like, I, I should freely admit now, I'm not wearing clothes that were purchased in 2022. You said that were purchased. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no bars in a podcast. But like, the, the clothes I bought are not, are not typical of the fashions in 2022. Nobody, you know, very people wear clothes. But I think that says more about you, Hugh. It does yeah. <laughs> I would fit right in. Everybody looking at me is like, oh my God, who's that tramp in the 10-year-old clothes? But I'm just saying that you can't... I possible. would fit right in if it was 1995. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, actually. I've got, the, I've got the rips in my jean pockets and everything. <laughs> no, you're right, though, yeah. You, you you have to, you're right. It doesn't have to be spot on, does it? Yeah, it's funny because um, when he was preparing, um, Collier went into an antique coin store and said, mm. I want money, specifically 19, 18, 1912 money. And I'm thinking, you could have money any time before 1912 because, you know, people, oh, yeah, people were using 1911 money in 1912. Yeah, like, yeah that's oh, true. It comes, a, it comes a cropper in the end, doesn't it? Oh, we'll come to that. That's that's yeah. that's a shocker. So um, she's done, he, so he's now been beaten up. Probably that, the, and, and then yeah. tied up. 
tied up, left in a stable, smashed back to broad comedy, where we, he was welcomed by an enormous horse's muzzle, snuffling him. <laughs> yeah. um, and he once again managed to escape without much bother. He's basically, um, well, they conveniently leave him under a lamp for him to knock off and break so he can then cut the the the, the rope you say conveniently i couldn't have done that could, could you no but you're not yeah. superman are you <laughs> clear, yeah. Yeah, he gets away without much bother runs to the hotel by which point you know the whole theater company has packed up and left and it's despondent but no elise comes along uh-huh. and and falls into his arms and then quickly falls into his bed and in keeping with the time it's very tasteful it's all soft lighting and um and and you know it discreetness uh, barebacks clo- closing the door and <laughs> it's not and rack- Sorry, that going sounded far it. ruder than it was. <laughs> There's still a lot of bear backing in this film. <laughs> there was one shot of Christopher Reeve's bear bicep, is basically as, as saucy as it gets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Rachmaninoff is going at it pretty hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I got a bit sweaty with the Rachmaninoff. Uh, they turned over the record that day. <laughs> Um, and so the the next morning they're kind of in a, in a, in a post-coital you know they're, they're in the various stages of undress sharing sharing their breakfast and talking about their life together they're, they're ever so happy that they're, they're getting married but, didn't they in fact Elisa Elisa's come come alive a lot more because previously she's spoken a lot in hushed tones so all yeah. like who are you I'm yeah. so scared what now, she's, now she's eating chicken yeah she's oh she, <laughs> she's eating chicken she's got it all over their teeth I know she's just it's massive horrible. chicken she's <laughs> <laughs> massive she's going fucking Henry VIII yeah, but she's coming. She's coming along. Or oh, dare we say uh, that wonderful uh, Italian film with the guy with tomorrow chicken? What? What's that? What's the, the uh, Gran Silencio? Oh yeah, the chicken that will never leave me. Yeah, yeah the Great Silence. Yeah. yeah. When I am ninety-five yeah. in a hotel, yeah, the, I will forget the, the everything. That took nine chickens to beans. When I am ninety-five and work in a hotel, the last thing, the last memory to leave me will be that man eating a chicken. Yeah, it was a whole chicken. He <laughs> ate it all in that scene as well. I mean, fair play to that to that actor. He had to eat a whole chicken in about three minutes. <laughs> anyway, for full for full dissection. Jane Seymour did a good effort with the leg, though, didn't she? She did, yeah. And um, and she's very happy. She wants to marry. She goes, "You'll marry me, of course." And uh, he starts laughing, which I'm going to say again is not the reaction I would have thought you'd give to someone who says, "Will you marry me?" But she takes it in good spirit. Um. Yeah. Actually, he, he, almost, uh, he does he does everything you shouldn't do yeah like, and yet she still falls in love with declare him. your love sleep with someone immediately and then laugh when they say will you marry me <laughs> yeah. uh, but he but yeah. she says i'm gonna buy you a new suit and he goes and he's really happy because collier could not be happier and he leaps yeah. up and said no i love this suit it's, it's long it's it's got so many pockets look at all these pockets i can fit a coin in this pocket and he pulls out a coin but dun 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 1979 he slipped it's like a it's like a dime or a penny it's the smallest yeah. denomination um but he, he's forgotten it because he, he took out all the money from his pocket beforehand realizing he yeah. should have done it but he left it in there and he sees it and it's like the hammer drops now he stares at it he's coming out of his trance literally he is um elise is fading away from him screaming richard so god knows what she's seeing him just disappearing from from the room um and he wakes up covered in sweat on the floor of the hotel back in uh, 1980. there we are so he's not in a good shape is he? he's not good he he, immediately runs upstairs back to his bedroom tries to hypnotize himself to go back can't do it can't do it breaks down to tears has a bit of a wander around the grounds which are no longer like an impressionist painting <laughs> like bins everywhere with seagulls that's it it's bins and se- <laughs> overflowing bins of rubbish seagulls and the odd the odd trawler zipping the past old ferry yeah it's horrible <laughs> uh, it's, uh, and he just he just sits in his hotel chair um and he, doing fa- he, he, he fades he, he wastes away doesn't yeah, he doesn't eat and until again 
I don't know whether the hotels have waited so long to break the door down, given he'd gone like a week without eating. But they, they, they come there, they find him in a bad way, they call the doctor, but it's too late. He just dies. He dies with a broken he heart. Just, he does. He, he just, just dies. dies. <laughs> and um, and, and the, the final end, he I goes... I wasn't expecting to end like that. I know. And then he goes to, he goes up to a cloud, where presumably heaven, yeah. where Elise, uh, as a young woman, is waiting for him. So, you know, yeah. that's nice. And they hold hands, and that's it. And Rachmaninoff plays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, he just and dies. He just dies. I was thinking, surely something's going to happen now. Like she will have found the secret of time travel or something. She's yeah. come. No, he, he dies. dies. <laughs> that's it. He's dead. That's the end of the film. <laughs> and with that, uh, that's the end of our recap. That was right. We got there. We got there. Um, so I will leave. Uh, I'll leave you to uh, to fetch a piece of chicken, perhaps, or perhaps uh, <laughs> listen to Rackman off one more time to, to boost you for the second half. When we'll come back and we will talk about the themes of the movie and why I chose it. Indeed. <laughs> Welcome back, dear listener. Um, yeah, if you've not. Um, wanted to put a bullet to your head having heard the Rachmaninoff song <laughs> about the 8,000th time then do join us very quickly <laughs> to join us for the uh, the analysis section of the film but you know what first of all before we deep dive into the film I am thoroughly intrigued as to why Hugh what 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 were you what was this what was this about what no look I'm not I'm not saying whether the film's good or bad not saying whether I enjoy it or not but this doesn't feel like a Hugh Morgan film <laughs> The, the reason for it can only disappoint you. Um, oh, the, uh, no. Some of the superficial reasons why, after it grabbed my interest, I picked it was because, um, yeah, it, it is it is a, a turn from my norm because I thought we hadn't actually done a good romantic film for a while. Um, no. So we thought, you know, let's get away from the kind of the gangsters and the explosions and the cowboys. So let, let's try something like this, something I can sit down and watch. Get away from the gangsters, the explosions, the cowboys. We had The Secret of Rowan Inish <laughs> in February. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you forgotten that? <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, so I thought I'd a bit of something different anyway. Yeah. Uh, choose that. Uh, also, uh, I think it caught my attention when I saw who was in it. Um, again, I thought, you know, I haven't seen that many Christopher Reeve films apart from the obvious ones. I thought, well, mm. he's a good actor. And I, think, you know, I like Jane Seymour as well. I thought, these are good actors in this film. How is it not seen? But I'll tell you what really caught me was, um, and this is where it'll pass you by, because um, unlike every other um, member of the human race who's drawing breath, you have not seen Avengers Infinity War. Um, <laughs> and, and No, you haven't. No, you're, you're a pariah amongst, amongst the world. I'm um, going to be the one, I'm going to be the one at the end of humanity who will be welcomed into heaven. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone else has seen Avengers Infinity War. Anyway, um, it's actually Avengers uh, Endgame when they have a big discussion about time travel. Um, and, and there's a very uh, meta conversation where they discuss other time travel movies and how come time travel doesn't work like that. Ah. And they rattle through, you know, it doesn't work like that. How do you mean it doesn't work like that? It doesn't work. Got Back to the Future, Time Cop, Terminator 2, Quantum Leap, um, Time Race Somewhere in Time, Time After Time, Top Job Time Machine. And they go through all these films. And as they were going through them, I thought, I've seen all them. But I've not seen somewhere in time. That's like the one thing I haven't checked off the list. Yeah. So that 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 was a little uh, that was a little wasp in my brain to uh, to put it another good, way. Um, good. And it was buzzing around. And when I saw some other, I think again some Twitter feed of a film buffs I was following, where they had somewhere in time with Christopher Reeve and Lee Seymour um, extolling its virtues, I thought, well, mm. let's let's put a pin in this one and watch it. Yeah. Well, and they they um they became very good friends on set as well, didn't, didn't they? they? Yeah, yeah. They, oh, um, 
In, in fact, Jane Seymour's son is named after Christopher Reeve. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Was it Car Carl N? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, they they were friends for life after the film. Oh well, that's a lovely ice story. Yeah, platonic. That that's that's in many ways a nicer story than somewhere <laughs> in time. It is a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Where well, do we begin with somewhere in time. <laughs> well, apparently, because he um, Seymour was went to the audition and he chose her personally, which implied that Christopher Reeve was was he had a lot of say in in the the casting of the film, which is a bit odd because he wasn't. I mean, I know he was in Superman, but he wasn't like you know massively. He was at the start of his career, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, know. yeah. Also, again, um, a little bit creepy choosing your friends on <laughs> the casting call. Well, it wasn't friends at the time. Okay. It was friends through the film. Oh, and that okay. is heartwarming, isn't it? Well, well okay. I like that, yes. Yeah. Um, and also, again, look at the budget. And it's a, it's an interesting box office um, mm. because it was a, a flop uh, in the US, but was a massive hit in, um, I think it was... Uh, Germany. It was in Germany. I thought it was in the Far East as well. Oh, really? Well, uh, you know... Not in America. It wasn't a domestic success. Ah, and it has quite a cult following now. Um, yeah. So I, I did read that um, every year on the release date of the film in the Grand Hotel, they host somewhere in time showings of the film where people dress in Edwardian clothes. <laughs> Lunatics. <laughs> no! Oh, come on. It's no worse than... It's not it's like no... the Rocky Horror Show where everyone gets dragged up and then next has a party. This is not the Rocky Horror Show you can do it live. Yeah, but, you know, you, you say that, but, like, there are loads of Marvel films where people rock up in fan gear, don't they, at, 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 in, yeah, at festivals and stuff. That's because with, with the best will in the world, and I love them dearly, Marvel films are kind of like pantomimes. Yeah, you, you'd, you'd expect yeah. to go on that. What are they going to do in that? Just, like, get their parasols out and play Rachmaninoff? Well, I presume at the end, at the end of the evening they it... have an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> surely that's the reason why they do that i can't think of any other sensible reason that's why anyone goes to the cinema these days <laughs> or a hotel in the middle of nowhere um so We're straying a little from the point here we are we are we are so hugh okay that's yeah okay well you know what's as good a reason as any isn't it and yeah. i'm glad that i watched summer in time tell me a little bit about your thoughts of the film where to begin here um <laughs> where to begin uh it's a it's a romance story Yes, um, I, I would say it's an excessively romance story. Hugely romantic story. <laughs> it, it's all it's all romance. It is like an excess missile of romance. Yeah. But the, it's just yeah. Richard Collier. Let's think. It's Richard Collier is the romantic side of it. Yes, and yeah, and again, Elise McKenna, you don't see a lot of. You, you see no. lots of her in pictures and, and in on yeah. you know against the, the the lake walking along with a parasol, but you don't get a lot of what she is like we hear that she's no. very strong-willed yeah. and and very you know full of life although when we see her she's mostly just in speaking in hushed tones and looking like well, she's yeah. seen a ghost well we don't and, see her at all on screen until about the 40th minute yeah yeah that's what i mean it's, it's, it's like it, it's whole thing is his quest for her so it's 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 it kind of really weird. it's his quest for her yeah and it's, it's a questing movie um yeah, it is <laughs> and this thing is although i mean this is what I'll come back to the interesting part. What I find interesting about the movie is, I mean, she sets him off on the quest. Has she not rocked up mm. and, and again said, come back to me and give him the watch? I don't think any of this would have happened. So this is this is no, the interesting it, thing, too. Except it did take him eight years. Yes, but to once bother. It, to bother. But, but once it was there, yeah, so oh, he never, yeah. once it was there, he then put the pieces together of the watch and the Rachmaninoff yeah. and the, the professor and all this kind of stuff. And he, he and he just kept this sense of things. So it's it's a romantic movie in a strange way because it's all one-sided really 
Um, you might you might say it's I mean that isn't really a romantic story, is it? That's an that's a story of obsession. Well, here's the other thing is again we, we've mentioned this before. Ed, Christopher Reeve is throwing a lot of charm into this, um, which he yeah, has in spades. He does. Um, but even so, it's it's a little bit creepy. Um, <laughs> And it's, it's too it's too heavy, isn't it? It's yeah, too and heavy. It, and I, it may be again the sensibilities. This was like 1980s, so it's made in like the late 70s. The, the sensibility yeah. is that I don't know, and women should be demure and be chaste and have to you know and say no a lot until you know they they collapse. But my goodness, I, I mean, there's a lot of indicators there where you'd take a modern person would think this person's not interested in me. I'd better back off now. Yeah, but um, also I think I think you underestimate the the late 70s and early 80s as this <laughs> as you know as as the 1870s and the 1880s. You know, I mean, there was, you know, I mean, it's, there were, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that the way that Richard Collier behaves in the film is necessarily would even necessarily have been acceptable in the late 70s no, yeah, really no, I'm, I'm, I'm more talking about like again no that behavior you know, but like in the language of cinema is oh, when the, 80s, the 80s yeah. is all about like normally it's the nerds like the young or social yeah, men right, pursuing yeah. the woman yeah. constantly whether whether it's by trickery or by building a robot or whatever it is yeah. it's they, seen they, as endearing really isn't it exactly being persistent and not taking no for an answer is not yeah. seen as stalkerish behavior <laughs> it's seen as the way you're supposed to get a woman which kind yeah. of the 80s was poison for social relations Relationships. Yeah. but th- there was there was that part of it but the thing that really got me was is that um they have a profoundly negative impact on both their lives um yeah they do yes that's because, right yeah it's yeah. it's it's not that them coming together is the catharsis for no. i mean if you flip it say elisa mckenna saying oh she for the first 10 years of her career she was very unsuccessful and quite introverted but something happened in the hotel in 1812 in 1912 um and she came alive and then she became this megastar yeah then you then thought oh well, she, you, she met there was there was vulnerability in her you yeah. saw that the, you know there was tragedy in her eyes and it made yeah, she, her this incredible actress yeah but we don't the truth no. we get is she was really lively and, and incredibly powerful and strong yeah something happened in 1912 at the theater and she was never the same again incredibly yeah. unhappy and yeah. lonely so and he that's dies her, that's her life <laughs> and yeah and then he dies he makes it to 30 and dies um and and so that's it's terrible and yes. there are so and it's it's so it's it's a bad there's no romance. catharsis there is there they have, there's no have, catharsis there's no catharsis that's it there's no catharsis there's like one nice night they have together and the rest yeah. of it is complete write-off and if you think about because what this put me in mind of when we come back to this you know comparable romances is um look at it towards say the jack and rose thing in titanic which is yeah. also you know a doomed love affair. jack yeah. dies very quickly but his death has incredible meaning and i'm sure this is why titanic for all its kind of you know um mm. um pulpy pulpy sensibilities yeah. is an incredibly resonant film for romantics is because his death has a profound effect on rose's life and she goes on to live a, a positive long, way yeah. positive happy yeah. life and then remembers that jack gave that to her and yeah. so, well that's good where is this like i say if all it would need is for this old lady who didn't die after the hotel to come back to him you know when he when he's come back and just to kind of give a pat on the hand saying i know we only had that moment together but i went on to live an incredible life and you gave it to me thank you now go what you yeah. got to live your life yeah. or if he'd yeah, come right, back yeah. or if he'd come back and just thought I've, I've had this wonderful experience i'll never get it back at least he's dead now but i'm going to write that play that will honor her and i will you know i'll bring her back to life yeah. again but no she she's she's almost embittered desperate come back well, to she, me. Miss Havisham, how is how is how is he going to come back to her yeah, she, well, she basically was havisham she she she, built, yeah, she, yeah. she had commissioned the hotel with rachmanoff in the music box uh, yeah. but she also must have pieced it together because she was reading the time travel book by his author so she like must have worked yeah. out that this very young um 
college theatre student. Uh, I think she knew his name was Richard Collier, so I think she was just looking out for any Richard Collier in she Chicago been, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to write plays. She worked it out and then just gave him the watch. Didn't do, didn't just say, hello, you don't know me, but can we have a coffee or something? I'm a really old woman. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose she, she you're right, because, I mean, h- how she worked it out, I don't know, other than the fact that she, she I, I would imagine that, she, I suppose, a couple of things would have happened, right? The point at which he realizes that there's a penny or a, you know a dime in his jacket, yeah. and he dis- he's, it, the impression I get is that he disappears. Yeah, From yeah. her perspective, he disappears. Yeah, yeah. So that's obviously a bit weird. I would so have must... witchcraft. I, the time travel would be the <laughs> yeah. last place I'd go with that. I would not yeah, buy yeah. an academics time travel book. I'd go. No, you got vaporizes aliens around here. Yeah, well that's what I mean. So, but she must be. So, but at least she must know that something is up. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because otherwise, you'd just look for him, wouldn't you? Yeah. You, yeah. You'd just go, right, I'm going to find all the Richard Colliers that live in America. Yeah. And just go through them. And then you'd eventually get to <laughs> the point where pardon. there's... An... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you'd meet every single one of them yeah. until there were none left. And then you'd go, well, hang on. Something's weird here. And then what I might do... This is where this is where my mind goes a bit weird. Because in films like this, the time travel element of it befuddles me somewhat. Because then I start thinking, well, if I was... If I was her, wouldn't you look at kind of birth certificates to know when the person was born? Yeah, this is 1912. It's like you, you don't have those kind oh, yeah, of records. Sure. Yeah, well, no, no, I know. Yeah, I guess. Jack but, did not have a t- ticket for the Titanic. That's why there was no record of him. No, I guess, I guess. But then eventually, if yeah. she would have come across him, right? But then, of course, he'd have been a baby, and that would have just been really weird. So oh, what's that? Then, like, like in Big when... Uh, when yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, when it's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it, but he, I, she would, yeah. in the end, have had to have waited until he was of a certain age before he she could have approached her. Maybe that's what she did do. But then why thirty? Well, he, was, he, was, know, 20, he was like twenty-one or twenty-two. At that oh, time, he was twenty-one he? or twenty-two. Yeah. yeah, that's right. The, yeah. the comeback to me is the weird part because again, if if like if, if if we'd never met her and um and he'd you know, been pining away and the doctor's going, you know, he's 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 we can't tell what's wrong with him. He's dying of a broken heart or whatever. And then all of a sudden, this old lady comes from nowhere and just goes. You know, it's me, Elise, and he recognised and said, "You know, come back to life, live your life. It's it's going to be okay." Yeah. That means that's the kind of a love that survives, rather than die. And on the off chances of heaven, I'm going to be there, looking 25 uh, in my <laughs> nice dress. Yeah, on the off chance that there's a heaven. It really is. Like, if you believe that's in a heaven, big, that's a big risk, isn't it? it? It's a heck of a dice to roll, isn't it? It's like I'm not going to eat because I can't travel <laughs> back in time, but it might be heaven, and she might be waiting for me there. <laughs> To, to and they, you know fair enough there, there is and she was yeah um, unless he was just hallucinating because he hadn't eaten for a week yeah well that's true i mean the whole thing could have been a hallucination I although guess, to be honest to, if, if to, i hadn't eaten for a week and i was hallucinating it would be jane seymour but she'd be made of chicken legs uh, <laughs> in, in that edwardian dress <laughs> i don't even think it would be jane seymour it would just be chicken legs chicken legs in an edwardian dress smiling at me and beckoning on with their chicken <laughs> drumstick fingers <laughs> Oh, it is, it is, but tasty. Cheeky um, nose. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, yeah, the yeah. name of my dream, my dream. <laughs> Cheeky Nando's in heaven, <laughs> oh, waiting. For but, but you know what? She, she, yeah, she says, "Come back to me." But there isn't. I don't. I don't understand her point. No. Because he can't. Well, I mean, she, she'll never know that he can, unless she's gone mad. Um, which is probably the best. <laughs> but well, here, yes, here's here. Okay, this is so that. I, so that left me a bit cold. The, the romance because it yeah. wasn't romantic. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But yeah. here's what I find interesting, and I, I don't know if the film either made enough of this or realised what it was doing. But I was quite interested in it as a study in causality. Yeah, um, me too. Because me yeah, too. 
Because so, for instance, the, the obvious one is Collier only succeeds in time traveling yeah. once he has proof that he time traveled. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is fantastic. He, yeah. he can't do it until he's done it. Yeah, and therefore, well, I thought that was a bit of a cop out, but I know what I, I I thought it was a cop out, but for the same reasons that you think it's fantastic. Yeah, well, I thought that was good also because um, when when there's a scene when he's checking into the hotel, as in he is making that entry in the register for that. That, that creates the belief he's really jumpy he wants it to be exactly yeah. as it was because he's yeah. given the wrong room key and he's like what and he's yeah. it's like almost like his reality is shaking just then and they go oh there's been a mistake i'll give you the right room key he's like, oh phew he literally says like bingo yeah. um and he's, he's very anxious that the right time is put in the ledger that that he that he saw yeah and it's almost like if it's wrong then he, if he's, he, he something's wrong yeah yeah if it's wrong he hasn't done it even though he's doing it right now and i yeah. love that that loop yeah. is like if it's wrong he kind of convinced himself and therefore hasn't done it yeah even though he's there at the time clearly yeah, absolutely. time traveling absolutely um, the, the, the other thing is the watch yes the watch is what i had written down as well which, <laughs> yeah because which... yeah she gives him the watch and says come back to me yeah and he leaves her the watch yeah, he goes when he realizes the, the 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 penny yeah, so he... the watch exists Yes. Only in that loop. It's an it was never made. Yeah, it was never made. It's a pocket dimension watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, how, how long have you had that in your head? I came up just now. Because the watch was never bought and never <laughs> given away. It, it never it made. Never it made. exists it never only made. in this temporal loop. And I love yeah. that. Y yes. I, yeah. It, it makes no sense. But it makes perfect sense but, in the reality <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is a... um. There is a, a name for that that where the watch exists. It's not a pocket dimension watch. <laughs> start that again. It, I can't remember what it is, but I read it. I did read it because I thought I was thinking about the watch, thinking, well, how, where is the watch come from? Now I think if if the film really went down the road of accuracy or taking that kind of philosophical view of time travel properly, the watch would probably disintegrate, or it would have and it would have some really heinous effect on them. Or something like that. Maybe it's the watch that's doing it. I don't know. Because um, the watch is because, like, if you if you think about it, you know, the the watch is a physical object that eventually it's made of metal, but it will eventually wear down and tarnish everything. But it it never can. It never has it a can't. chance. It can't get old or younger, even though it's been kept for the span of seventy years before it begins its cycle again. Yeah. Oh, it's called an ontological paradox. Okay, but that's the thing. This is this watch getting older and older and older, even though no one else is getting older around it. And will the watch eventually disintegrate? And what will happen to the universe then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. here's here's what also means. Like he he speaks to his his um university professor who's in who's into psychology, gives him the idea. But what would have happened if he actually had a friend? Because he doesn't have any friends in this. He has Arthur. He talks to. Um, <laughs> yeah. who, who's well, he doesn't have paid. any friends, does he? Yeah. But if he had someone like a younger the more confidant who was into this kind of stuff on a, yeah. on a, to, to to talk about this kind of stuff how would that be if he talks about the fact that he could only travel back when he had proof you know that he can't go back again because he's seen the penny and, and this kind of stuff and why can't he go back it's when he's seen the penny because yeah why yeah yeah why can't he because he throws it off of the bed and he has a good go but i mean if it was me and the option was starving to death i'd have a really good go i'd like yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd well, have a shower i'd have a nice meal yeah, I'd, get back yeah. In the bed and I'd try harder <laughs> and, and you, you you might do that because if You'd probably give it a go because you knew you could do it. Yeah, you had your proof. Right? And he's done. He's done it. And here's the thing: he doesn't have to run upstairs and do it. He has all the time in the world. Yeah. He just he can, he can go back to the exact moment he left. Yeah. It yeah, can take a year can. to do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter, does it? So that, you that, must, uh, he's, he's too quick to kind of give up. 
Yeah, and again, this is where you'd need again a philosopher kind of like telling you, you know, you can only do it the once, or you've you know, you shattered yeah, it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or maybe well, the, 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 the philosopher does still... say that it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't he? But you know, well, you can't do it too many times because it takes a lot out of you. But that's different to I'm going to give up the yeah. will to live. Yeah, and it's it, it does feel like a rush conclusion. Like that failed, and then he died. <laughs> it's like yeah. okay. <laughs> Yeah, you, I still wasn't expecting him to die, even after he died. Are you familiar with the source material for this? Uh, no, so this is, actually, I was going to reference this as well, because it was written by, well, the, the, the book it's based on is written by Richard Matheson, yeah. um, who's obviously a big deal in science fiction and horror, um, kind of, you know, novels and, and, and writing. Obviously, his probably most famous book is um, I Am Legend, um, which is, you know, cracking book. And, and um I can't remember the name of the book that this is based on. Um, oh, it's a Shakespeare quote. It's um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's an it's an bid it, time return. Bid time return. That's it. Yeah, but I tell you, the reason why I thought that the film would, uh, the reason why I thought that the film let those things like the watch and the him uh, Richard Collier seeing his name in the guest book and therefore it working is because. And I've not read the book, but I'd, I'd imagine that because it's written by Richard Matheson, that's almost an equal part of the novel. You know, because Richard Matheson was big on the kind of science fiction stroke philosophy and understanding kind of human nature and stuff like that. He's not a he's not known for as a kind of romance novelist. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the um, the the book story, from what I understand, makes a lot more sense. Um, uh, in many ways. <laughs> the, the first is that uh, Richard Collier um, is actually dying of a brain tumour, an operable brain tumour, and he kind of goes to the Grand Hotel, I think, to have a nice holiday before the end, and he learns again about Elise Kenner and all this kind of stuff. Um, doesn't get the whole kind of, I don't think he has the pocket watch to come back to me, I think, but he has, he basically learns that at, at you know, in 1912, she had uh, a mysterious affair with a mysterious man, or an affair with a mysterious man, yeah. and he resolves to be that man in her life, yeah. and and does the whole kind of thing of going back in time, um, and it's all from his journal that he did this, um, and it's uh, and he say he says in his journal that he did this, and he says he had the affair, and then he said he was thrown back in, and then he dies, and the journal, the the, the conceit of the book is it's published by his brother, who read the journal and says, I don't know if this really happened mm. or if he just believed this happened. But I'm publishing it anyway, you know, for your thing. So you're left with, did it all happen? Mm. Was it just his this dying wish to be at? And again, if it was his dying wish, it's a it's a much better ending than died of a heartbreak. It's like you you yeah, you were checking it anyway. You decided yeah, to have, have some a, fun, but no, not just the <laughs> fun. But you decided to have a passionate affair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 those kind of things, and to be the most important in your person. head. Yeah, Even if it was the, in your head, yeah. Yeah, and to be the most important person in Lisa McKenna's life, which again gives it a bit more depth. Again, the the idea that they basically he did all this and then ruined both their lives is terrible <laughs> <laughs> but i think but that works in a novel doesn't it better because it, it's i'm not sure that that would translate look i'm not saying that somewhere in time translates brilliantly yeah. in the way that it's presented yeah. but i i, I can't see <laughs> i realize what i'm saying here but i can't see an audience being really attracted to a film where there isn't really any again there isn't really any investment uh, and like right. say Inception, where you're not quite sure if it's real or fake. 
I take your point. Right, that's but, a good but, call. Yeah, but it's <laughs> the thing. If, if maybe the audience, well, twenty years down the line, maybe they'd like that kind of. Ooh, was it? Was it not? But I, mm. I would think an audience, whether it does have to be an operable brain tumor, what Richard Collier lacks is a problem. Um, yeah, you're he, right. He has his no girlfriend, problem. He's just he's a, a bit, bit bored, isn't he? He's, he is a listless. He can't finish yeah. his play, and his yeah. girlfriend's broken up with him. That's not yeah. enough reason to give your entire life to this project. No, it is. Uh, Whereas, again, had it been. He he, you know, he gets thrown back to adventure and he completes his play and it's a masterwork, kind of like you know Shakespeare in Love when Shakespeare is is distraught but he writes um yeah. the Winter's Tale and writes Viola yeah. has inspired him that yeah. kind of like you know it's it's brought me on to greater things and I'll do that that's 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 worth something that's that makes the whole project you know feel, feel like I'm wasting your time here yeah I yeah I agree with you absolutely you, you can't get a, you can't get away from the fact that the film is a downer. Yeah. You, can't, you, you can't get away from that fact. It, it, it's the thing that I think really, it, it's it's the thing that kind of loses the film to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, but do they think it's, it's a downer? Because because well, the, I don't know. Because at the end, end, it's all like happy dory. They've gone to heaven, and no, I didn't see it like that. I don't know whether no, they me, felt like that. Me was, neither. But, but it, it, is the is the movie trying to tell us that it's all good because he finds it? But like, no, I didn't get that at all. I got, I got a downer from it because it. Yeah, the, absolutely. Well, I felt, I felt kind of disappointed <laughs> i felt like i've been cheated a little bit like well although and again this is part of the problem with the film as well the the, mo the moment that she the moment that elise reveals herself at richard collis uh, richard collier's opening play and says come back to me you know the ending of the film i mean you don't quite you don't know that he dies and you don't know that she um yeah. you know dies but you know that they aren't together because yeah. if they were they would be because and that's stupid. They just would be. Because yeah, causality. She wouldn't be coming to him if it hadn't no, happened. Yeah. No, exactly. And she never can because of causality. There's no. Yeah. There's no alternative. Yeah. It's but just also, a loop. Yeah, but also again, it, you talk about yeah, it's a downer because, you know, in every good structure, there's an all is lost moment, and it's um, you know, the, when you when you think there's no hope back, and there's this moment kind of has this film has two. One is the very basic one where he's beaten up by William Robinson's henchmen and put in a stable, and he thinks they've gone away. But then he yeah. escapes and she runs. It's a really quickly resolved all his lost yeah. moment. Yeah. It's they, they fall into the arms. But the true all his lost moment is all is completely lost and it's never fixed. It's like yeah. the, the, the denouement is a failure. It's it's a massive disaster that from which you're given about five minutes five of minutes, history yeah. looking really, really unhappy. Yeah, almost like, you know, a character out of the evil dead or something. He looks yeah. that ill. Yeah, and then first he's morose again. He wanders around this horrible 1980s, which is does is not sepia tinted. It's it's grey and it's horrid yeah. and it's stinky. Um, and then he then he dies, and that's it. <laughs> then he dies. And the fact, he I, does. I, it, it does make you wonder: do they slap on that that heaven scene in the end just because the audiences were so depressed by it? Yeah. Because it is it is just thrown in there. I know, and and yeah, but the thing is, it doesn't come across as well. Uh, look, okay. It it could be it could be a tragedy, couldn't it? It could it could have been because there I don't I don't have a problem with tragedies in film, you know. If yeah, there's if yeah. that's that could be a genre, or but it's not it's not presented as such throughout the film itself. Yeah. It, it's presented as something which I think is excessively romantic, almost too yeah. romantic. Yeah, it's it's almost hyper real. It doesn't. It's it feels really. It it feels a bit like it was a. Um, I, I can't explain it, but. I don't know, as if the, the if, if 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 this was directed by an auteur, it would have been a choice to make this incredibly over the top romantic, right? It did, yeah. but it did I mean, it probably wasn't the decision. It just felt so 
utterly romantic that it was just ridiculous. It's like, because how could this, yeah, how could this very, be so romantic? There's very little of them getting to know each other. Like I say, at, at least... no getting to know each other. And she, she's an actress and he's a playwright. You think they did get off... Because at no point does he use his playwright skills. Like, no, he wants it's it got to nothing theater. to do with that. And I was he expecting should... him to start throwing out like script notes and saying, oh, you should you should change this line. You could do that. And he thought, and then they realise, no, this guy's interesting. And no, at least he's just, drawn to him. He's just knocking on people's doors and wanting to get into her room so he can talk to her. Yeah. And he, yeah, he's he a full that... force of will. He just yeah. seems to romance her. Yeah, because again, when, when they see each other, it is mostly just staring deeply into each other's eyes while the music yeah. plays. There's this famous. It's like. They really do just kind of want you to believe they're in love without putting any of the legwork into making you believe how they got to in love. Yeah, I suppose in the same way that that Richard Collier, through sheer force of will, time travelled. Yes. Right. He just through sheer force of will believe the romance. <laughs> well, I can't <laughs> because you know if if the time travel bit is ridiculous and it doesn't matter that it's ridiculous, but it is basically him f- concentrating really hard and travelling through time. And it's almost like then when he's back in 1912, he's concentrating really hard to make her love him. And it yeah. works. <laughs> it's so weird. I know, it works. Why do I never think of that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just stare at someone a lot and they will eventually <laughs> fall in love with you. The, the other thing I find weird as well is when, when he does emerge in 1912 and um, and uh, Elise says, is it you? And he goes, oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, <laughs> other, other than that being a really weird thing to say, it turns out that the reason why she says, is it you, is because the Christopher Plummer character has premonitions so i thought it might be that in some way he has also traveled in time and 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 knows something about richard collier yeah that's the weird thing because he says he isn't no it because he says um you know you will destroy her which yeah yeah how does he um, know that because it's true he does because richard collier (laughs) thinks it like oh no you're just you're just jealous and insane but no he's right his his being there does destroy her and he premonition so like yeah where's not because of anything he knows not because of not because of what might have been really interesting which is another time travel person who is floating around as well and you know all that kind of stuff but just because he has a feeling yeah you think well that can't he just it's takes him what? as another man sniffing around his actress. That's yeah, really all he yeah, sees. And it's like, yeah. but you've hit the nail on the head for the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But that's made quite a lot of in the film. Like, is yeah. it you? Is yeah. it you? Yes, it's me. Oh, okay. Well, how yeah, did because you know we, it was me? How did, what did he say? Well, he, he, you know, he, has, he has these funny turns sometimes and he thinks about things in a different way. And yeah, he just, he just knows things. Yeah. Like, what? Very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, I never quite know why. If you were able to travel back in time, you don't do the Biff Tanner thing and just bet <laughs> on sports events. You would, wouldn't you? That's all you'd do. But you'd be all right because you, you probably remember all the football results. But how many sport events do you, would you really remember if you were pushed to it? Well, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd, I'd put a bet on that. Uh, in a, I'd say, well, I think there'll be a world war in 1940. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then maybe one in 19, maybe 1939 to 1945. Let's say that. <laughs> And they just reap the rewards of the human bet, catastrophe. The, the betting market is strong in 1912 <laughs> for World Wars. <laughs> I don't know. You'd take a very brave bookie to, to take that. Out. It's like... <laughs> Well, you know, you'd, you'd have 1945 is like, yeah, we're all dead, but I'll, I'll just scrape up what living I have left to pay you off. Well done, sir. The, the, this Hope is, get this is the other thing. I, this is the other thing I think about when I watch these kinds of films. I always think, when are they set? First of all, when are they set? 
yeah right and if it's a, if it's a love story and it's set in say 1914 i think well he's going to die in the next four years so it doesn't <laughs> matter i can't help myself don't have any kids now because they'll be of fighting age in 1939 so it's no point <laughs> uh, that's a good point yeah um i mean i would say though despite what we've said right despite what we've said yeah it i do think christopher reeve and i appreciate he's really creepy in this but yeah. he is i think he's an underrated screen presence generally Massive. yeah yeah because i i think you know whether whether you think he's creepy in this or not brackets open he is creepy in this brackets closed he's still well, no his character is creepy he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't play it creepy he, he no plays, he doesn't play he plays it creepy. a bad hand as best he can yeah and he still does well in the role i think oh, actually yeah. and the chemistry that this i mean it's ridiculous chemistry but the, chem, yeah. the chemistry that he and jane seymour has i think is quite nice it's quite good as well i can feel the i can always feel the the, the passion in the stare yeah so but also also the, I'd, i mean i'd have liked because this is going to sound strange i'd have liked a lot more of the post-coital kettledom <laughs> when <laughs> but when they've actually opened up to each other and relaxed the chicken presence, eating the chicken eating not I, i'm not saying i want a very long chicken eating scene but like a couple <laughs> more scenes when they're meeting each other and getting to know each other where because she's depicted or told we're told she's a feisty vivacious yeah. actress who knows yeah. her will and there's none of that in the scene if, if that had been in the early scenes maybe she's yelling at him for being on a stage mm. and there's like a bit of friction and this kind of stuff that would but be yeah, really cool you, you only really see it in a little bit when she's in, in that post-coital scene don't you when she says marry me yeah. i'm gonna get yeah. you a new suit and you think oh he's the real elise mckenna yeah i want to get fact, to know yeah. this couple a bit yeah and in fact there's there's actually there's a moment to talk about the benefit of life where she stands up to, to robertson and just says look you're yeah. just my manager you don't control me and yeah. i'd like to have more background on how would they because their relationship is very kind of like um she's his ingenue at the beginning like she he is literally, she is literally on his arm and he won't let her go yeah. uh, but i thought it's you know do we, is he just doing that kid because a, a man is following her around and he's just telling her to get rid of or is he actually controlling yeah, is he she, yeah you're right yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so does this yeah. relationship with with collier force her to, to push him away and begin become the actress we don't know any of this we're making it all up but it could have been something there where she's like because of collier she now stands on her own two feet and becomes you know and breaks him from under his spell or whatever but we it's all guesswork because we don't know whether they had that relationship before or after or just whether they pick up where they left off after yeah. she was heartbroken yeah. it's all supposition yeah absolutely and you know yeah completely right i've just thought of something else as well it, it, why doesn't why doesn't elise mckenna when she when she goes up to Richard Collier and says, um, come back to me, why didn't she say, don't look at the coins, remember the coins or, for, oh. you know, don't, you know, just do that. That would have been quite good, actually, because then, because yeah. he, he did. That's he even did. weirder, isn't it? Forget the coins. Yeah. Think, what he, the hell does she mean? Or she come back to me, go to the Grand Hotel. I mean, she could have a very long laundry list of instructions here. But... <laughs> she could, but she, she could have helped herself, couldn't she? Rather than just saying something quite ambiguous, like come back to me. Yeah. What? <laughs> what does that mean? Or she left a trail, like if she knew she was dying, yeah, and that's what could, I mean, yeah. could be explicit about it, but it like you know left him the, the watch within which is like a ticket stub for the, the theatre in the yeah. hotel yeah, and all yeah, this yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, rather exactly. than hoping in eight years' time he'll feel a bit despondent and go for a drive by which he'll come by the hotel. But then this is all causality. She knows he's done it, so she can suppose. She knows, he yeah, walked. she knows she's. But then she doesn't need to go and see him then. But if she doesn't go and see what happened, this is the whole thing about whole yeah, thing. Yeah. So in but, many but, ways, yeah, exactly. maybe what's unsatisfying because they're all stuck in a temporal loop from which there is no escaping. Everything happens as it should happen. So we're just yeah. watching it play out. We're not watching any with any agency. No, yeah. And and I don't think the film knows that. That's the issue. Yeah. I don't think the film realizes what it's doing. 
but it, it it's actually come to think of it it's actually an incredibly sophisticated treatise on time travel and yes. and human ennui yeah yeah isn't it and yet it, yes. it doesn't realize it thinks it's a romantic film with a lot of yeah. in it yeah yeah exactly the, the the other thing i wanted to mention as well and i cannot pronounce the director's name but anyway g not swark very well done I mean that's a terrible. Also, the director of um, Santa Claus the movie was it? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, oh, like we're in a temporal loop. We've come yeah. right back to the beginning again. This is where the series ends. <laughs> yeah, directed the uh, Santa Claus the movie and Supergirl as well. What? What? Yes. What? <laughs> oh, what? It's mad, there? isn't it? I knew you'd have something good on the director. I don't even yeah. look now. I just do. I'll have a little, a little treat when you tell me who the director is. Yeah, I know. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. The other thing, actually, is the film did make money. Yeah, it, yeah. it cost four million dollars, and it made about ten. I mean, it didn't make a lot of money, yeah. but it wasn't a complete flop. Um, but why but, do you think yeah. it wasn't successful in America? Actually, I'll, I'll do one more thing before we get into yeah. it. I'd like to talk about the the, the the appeal of it. Is that, and this is very hard to follow, Ginox Swack, but um, uh, one thing that. You know, I think you've got to do plot-wise is just have what I'll call the fun and games of of an adventure, um, mm. and they try and make that in kind of broad comedy with him running around different bedrooms and just kind of knocking on doors. <laughs> and it's and and when you consider you have time travel as your hook, you've got to do more than that. And I think use look, time travel exactly. And the fact yeah. that he just says, "Oh, see you later, Arthur," is not enough. That is the no. one hook that gets played again and again ad infinitum. Oh, so Arthur many times. Red rubber ball. But you need to have like a dozen of them playing back all over the place. Yeah. Like well, Back to the Future is a great example. It's a great example, isn't it? I, I would have liked to have seen, I would have liked to have seen Richard Collier in more kind of fish out of water type scenes like yeah. you know how does he navigate 1912 language and cultural mores yeah there's none of that he just seems to there's, do there's, right doesn't there's he? a bit of that like when he when he's just escaped from the boudoir and um and the uh the, the husband because he, he slams the door getting out so the husband thinks someone has tried to get in so he opens mm. the door and collie's walking past saying did you see a young man go past and collie kind of affects an act saying why well, i did see a young man yes and yeah. i would have reported him and he's almost there but that stops and that's about it um and I would, again i'd like to see lots more of that and yeah if if the fact that um I'd love to the fact when he went, I don't understand, he was, he's a, he's a theatre guy, he's a writer and everything, he's seen plays. If he goes into them rehearsing and if he goes, you know, he'd say to the person, you know, you go upstage, it's much better. It was done like that in, you know, in, yeah. in yeah. 1950, yeah. it's all, it's all happening. Like, what are you going to talk about 1950? This is how, um, you know, uh, John Gielgud the, played it. Who the hell is yeah. John Gielgud? It's the Chuck Berry in Back yes. to the Future, isn't yes. it? And it's none of that, which is a shame, because you think that's gold, that's gold, that's perfect opportunity for a theatre person in a theatre amongst actors. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Elise is going, who is this guy that's yelling at my cast and getting him to do things? Well, uh, yeah, the playwright aspect of Richard Collier is entirely redundant. Absolutely, he could be a plumber. He could the scene it could, could open. What, it could be anything, couldn't it? it yeah, the scene could open with him him doing a difficult pipe plumbing and plugging a toilet, <laughs> and an old lady comes up and gives him a watch. It's it's, all, it's the same it's thing. It's exactly the same, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's entirely redundant. It makes no difference whatsoever. Yeah. Oh well, there you go. Um, but anyway, so it, um, let's come to the the appeal of it. So again, it was it was successful worldwide, but not, and it's now got a cult following, but not a successful. Yeah, um, I don't know. And I, well, I, again, I'm thinking, I just, again, I don't have a, the encyclopedic knowledge, but I'm thinking of the 1970s movies that, you know, were, were love stories. You've got The Way We Were, A Star Is Born, mm -hmm. Love Story. 
they're all tragedies. They're all yeah, they are, very they? sad stories. So yeah, it was almost, it was riding on that you know that that kind of theme, but it was the end of it. Like yeah, if you think about the, the again the movies uh, in following that in the eighties, they're either maybe romantic comedies or maybe or youth oriented comedies. It's not a lot. Yeah, of, no, there isn't, is there? You're right. Or they, or they just you know, like you know, like children of a lesser god, just romantic, romantic. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mystic pizza. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. What's the one? Pretty what's the one. Where, pretty, yeah, well, yeah, I suppose. What's the one where is Mystic Pizza the one? No, where's the one? Who's the one that, that Julia Roberts dies in? Is that Mystic oh, Pizza? Oh, Steel Magnolias. Oh, that's the one. Yeah, but that's definitely not that's not a romance, though, is it? Yeah. yeah um, um, but I, I see why it, it it might have nothing to do with somewhere in time necessarily, but I think the reason why it didn't do well at the US box office was because it was released in the same week as the Blues Brothers. <laughs> and that was obviously a huge cultural behemoth. But probably, I mean, it's, it's, it's popular and it's well known outside of America, but it is very American. It is an Ameri- it's about American culture. It's about American music. It's populated... It's got a very American style to it um, that could be alienating, perhaps. It's quite brash. It's bold. And I think somewhere in time as a consequence, which is, you know, I think the Blues Brothers tapped into the zeitgeist, that change into the 1980s really well. And and somewhere in time feels a little bit old fashioned in that regard. But internationally, I don't think the Blues Brothers would have had the same impact on somewhere in time's box office. I think people would have been equally equally likely to go and see a film like summer in time because you know the blues brothers won't have it wouldn't have the same cachet that's very in, interesting in japan or germany yeah, or, 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 lot, or the uk that makes a lot more sense and again it's it's timelessness in a way it's not an 80s film it's as much no. a, a 1912 film as it is an 80s film oh definitely um, yeah you could see this being made in the 40s or 50s couldn't you absolutely yeah um yeah and so, yeah. And so the, i think the blues brothers probably took a lot of steam out of it because um, everybody went to see that. That's very interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. We always so, have to look know, at the context. And it's, this is why, again, it was quite, quite like the Weekend at Crombie's uh, ethos of unearthing films, because when you see it out of context, you get to yeah, look we, at it yeah. with, with a completely different take, because yeah, I'd, I'd rather yeah, watch right. The Blues Brothers. Sorry? I'd rather have gone and watched The Blues Brothers. Well, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I would have as well. Um, but, and, and so I suppose the point is, is that sometimes a film's success or failure sometimes has nothing to do with the film yeah right and i'm not saying that this would ever have been um you know one of the kind of legacy romantic films that you know that have ever been you wouldn't be talked about in such hushed tones um per se but you know if it wasn't for um blues brothers would this be more well known i probably would be you know if this was released a, you know a couple of months after blues brothers it's like the films that are released in the same week as star wars right i mean no one no one went to yeah. see them yeah yes i mean you don't even know what they are <laughs> right so yeah it's like that and i think the blues brothers is such an american film that it could only do well in america or you know would have done this the best as possible this i think is a relatively international focus film you know jane seymour's not american it's it's not it's not really an, it's not american style film is it although no. it does it is filmed like an early 80s tv movie i do think i I don't think the cinematography is great i was kind of half expecting jessica fletcher to turn up at some point um, (laughs) really because i thought the the work they do in recreating the uh the impressionist painting style 
of uh, 1912. It's it's quite strong. You're doing, maybe, it looks... maybe, but maybe it's just my maybe it's my I, I tend to find early 80s um, not great aesthetically in terms of filmmaking. Uh, that's a completely um, you know hugely gen generic statement to make. I, I just whenever I watch Murder She Wrote, I always feel like that's what the early 80s looks like in in film. So I, I, t I tend to think that's probably the high watermark of cinematography in American, American cinema in the early 80s. It's going to be it's like, you know, it's Jessica Fletcher. It's it, it, it. I'm expecting Cabot Cove. And it always reminded me of things like Cabot Cove and stuff like that. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> there, there we go. Other films, Hugh, other films. We've mentioned quite a few here, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, again, I rattled through all the ones from Avengers and then all the, all the ones oh, yeah, uh, you did, didn't you? Yeah. to do with that. Uh, any ones other than that? Um, well, so so for me, yeah. if I may, go on. Um, you can go down the time travel road, obviously, but I don't think it's as common to have a, a very specifically time travel romance film. Yeah, um, but I, I picked up two. One is Peggy Sue got married. Oh yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah, where she she faints and wakes up um, in the nineteen sixties. Um, you know, at the point at which she has to make a decision about um, who she who she goes yeah. out with, etc. You know, see, that's what you need some magical realism. You don't actually yeah, need exactly. it, you it doesn't spend real. forty minutes meditating because no. it's still no. as ridiculous. As I fainted and woke up in the past. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it doesn't matter, does it? Just get um, to the story bit. Just get to the story bit. Yeah, and the other one is the Lake House with um, oh. Sandra Bullock and yes. who is it? Is it Ryan? It's, it's not Ryan Reynolds, is it? Ryan Philippe? No, Ryan Philippe. Yeah. Ryan, I can't remember who it is now. Um, I mean, that was. A t I mean, it, it's a bloody awful film but anyway oh it's um it's keanu reeves it's keanu reeves. It keanu reeves yeah it's keanu reeves yeah and um she she's renting a, a lake house and she reads the love letters of uh, a person who previously lived there yeah. and um they end up having this kind of, well they have this kind of they obviously don't have a romance but they do have a romance in some way it's yeah. it's, it's terrible it's genuinely terrible <laughs> peggy who got married is the better of the two options yeah. and that's not amazing but you know <laughs> well very good yeah some pertinent things there, way better than my ones. <laughs> but, uh, got, yeah, no, well. uh, are we all done now? Are we ready for our scores? We're ready for our scores, I okay, think. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's place the tape recorder beneath the bed sheets. Um, okay, well, actually, one more thing bed sheets. Here's a thing in his favour. Oh, um, yeah, go nice, on. nice bit of, uh, of continuity here. When he's lying on his bed yes. sheets, um, meditating, yeah. He wakes up and he's on a he's on a like a sedan because he's yeah. the, the room is the, he's in the same physical space but the room has changed and he's instead of the bed sheets he's dealing on a cushion that has the same pattern same as the pattern bed. so yeah. when it zooms in and zooms out it, there's 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 no change but it's yeah it's really nicely done there you it go. is nicely done because I was thinking at the time those bed sheets don't look very 1912 yeah and I was thinking he wanted to get rid of everything in the room that 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 reminded him of where, of 1980 he needs to yeah. get rid of those bed sheets and the yeah. lights that were attached yeah. on the wall above the bed because they're not very 1912 either but yeah you're right i thought the transition was quite good i forgave that yeah okay then so there we are now we've now completely finished so we can surely we have <laughs> slip the tape recorder beneath the pillow uh, and uh, and come on to the final part where we shall give it our scores and learn what we're doing next month or maybe even a hundred years ago we don't know <laughs> Welcome back, dear listener. Um, as tradition befits, um, 
the person who chooses the film scores it first to stop any fraud taking place. Um, so, Hugh, you chose Somewhere in Time. What are you going to give it? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> you never know when I just throw a dartboard at films and come back yeah. with it. It's, it's always good fodder for discussion. Uh, I think the actors are really, really good in it. Um, again, good chemistry and by themselves are good actors. I think the premise is really interesting. And I think in some places it's shot pretty nicely. There's some clearly good work gone into both the cinematography and the costume design and the look of the film. They gave that some thought. But I left feeling miserable and literally... <laughs> I mean, the film's going to stay with me, and it didn't. I didn't think it was a, a, a mean-spirited film, um, but I wasn't happy leaving it. So for me, two out of five. Two out of five. Um, okay. I, uh, I, I think I, I agree a lot with what you've said about the film. Um, I, I think that Christopher Reeve and uh, Jane Seymour have good chemistry, and I, I think Christopher is a really, he's a really underrated actor, and, and should have been more, more. Um, better regarded i think uh, more generally as well outside of his superman films i think i think that i would have liked to have seen more about the the time travel stuff and i actually i think as we've said i think the film without knowing it says a lot about the paradox of time travel yeah but it's almost like it was facing the other way and <laughs> was trying to ignore the naughty the naughty child in the corner to focus on the grown-up romance which really wasn't the thing that was very interesting <laughs> in the end um you know stocked full with um interesting characters um it, it it was it was fine but yeah i came away quite miserable as well and just wanted more more time travel give me more time travel um so I, i'm i think i'm going to be slightly kinder than you i'm going to give it three disembodied crumbly heads because although i although i came away miserable i i, I did feel entertained but i think i was entertained by the ridiculousness of it yeah and so i was i'm all right with that i'm all right with that so i'm going to give it three but I it's guess. probably it's a low three Fair but enough. i can't you know there is no such thing as a low three it's just a three isn't it <laughs> three three disembodied three. Heads. fair enough okay there we go so that's just the below average there for our film but that that's now out of the way we've uh, discarded the dropped penny and uh, can now uh, <laughs> happily wrap ourselves into the, the bed bath chair and, and fade away into the into the clouds what are we watching next what? month james <laughs> If, if I hope I go out like that, <laughs> fading away into the bath clouds. He's in the bath chair and he fades in the clouds, and he? he's like, on the bed, and then he's just it all. He goes in the sky, and there's Jane Cleet saying, "What a cloud waiting for him." <laughs> With or without chicken, that's not a bad end to your life. <laughs> I suppose it isn't, is it? <laughs> oh well, but here's the moment everyone's. Oh yes. To. Yes, it's the end of the podcast, but also it's the point at which we choose. Um, the next film this is april's film and for april we will be watching the duelists oh my goodness <laughs> the duelists <laughs> i don't know whether you know this or not i i've never seen it but i have i know it <laughs> ah there we go there we go the oh what fun okay yeah. um marvelous well join us uh next month for the duelists and until then i uh, wish you a very happy and very healthy weekend at crumbies Good evening all. Weekend at Crumbies. And I said, well, isn't that just that advert about the fish? <laughs> it's just, isn't it just the advert about, you know, you can give a man a fish and he can feed his family for a day. You give a man the means to catch a fish and feed his family for a lifetime. It was like, nah, it's more sophisticated than that. <laughs> no, it isn't. 
It's that bloody advert. You can boil everything down to that advert. Maybe he was, he was thrown by the fact you kept calling a proverb an advert. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an advert for fish. Captain Birdseye doesn't come in and just say, do you want a fish? 